0: We're looking at a new series called Culture Watch. We did this or something similar not so very long ago in the summer. Just, we thought it was a good thing to do in that each one can stand alone. And what we're trying to do is take something from the media, from literature, from the arts in the wider sense, and look at it from a Christian perspective. Or at least double listen to it. See what we can learn from it but learn with discerning ears and eyes because we're trying to give the bible priority as we do so. So sometimes we'll t- take a thing from the media and pick out truths from it. Sometimes we'll take something and it'll be an example, an illustration of something. And sometimes it'll just be an insult, insult, an insight. It might be an insult, but sometimes it'll be an insight into the culture that we find ourselves in or it will say something interesting. And so when we read the Bible, we're not reading the Bible in, in a vacuum. We are where we are. And so it'll give us hopefully some insights into where we are. When we do that, it's important to realize that we're not treating the Bible and the world equally in that regard, we're giving priority to the word. And it's also important to realize that when we're not looking at these bits of culture and ignoring Bible at all, we're going to do both alongside. So with that said, let me pick two or three Bible readings that are relevant to um, me when I consider this film, the film Green Book. Out of interest, who's seen the film Green Book? So not many of us, considering it was best film in the Oscars this year, you may or may not decide you want to watch it at the end of this. Let's have a look. So Matthew 5 and from verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if that salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then one verse from Philippians 4 and verse 5. Maybe we didn't need both windows open, both doors open. I'm going to need those pages back, everybody. You can bring them up to me. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Those of you who are praying for a shorter sermon, I've grabbed the pages back. And then 1 Peter 2 and verse 12 live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us famous passages all three of them especially that first one go back to it the sermon on the mount a key setting out of Jesus's agenda what we normally do in sermons I think is we take a passage And then we try to apply it into our lives in the sense of working out what we need to do and what we need to work at in order to be what God calls us to be. It's a very good thing to do with a sermon and with applying a passage. If we didn't really apply it in our lives, it would just be either an interesting talk or worse, a boring talk with no direct application for us, you see. So we read about being salt and light and we generally apply it. So I've preached sermons like this, we'll do again, where we look at what salt meant in the first century and we know that at a couple of contexts at least it had the use that we have in our culture today. So salt added flavour to something, added interest, made something more palatable. We're supposed to do that. But salt before refrigeration was a preservative to stop the rot, and so we're called to do that as well. We also know, I've preached on this too, that salt wasn't necessarily a pure thing. It was mixed with other things. The more it got mixed with other things, the less use it was. And sometimes salt was used in building as well. So you had plaster on walls, in first century walls, but that same sort of plaster was used on flooring, particularly when they built an upper room. And that sort of plaster wasn't very strong to walk on. So that plaster was then mixed with a salt and other things mix and then put into the plaster so that you could then walk on this plaster. It was stronger. After you'd used the salt for that, even if you brushed it away, you're not going to put it on your food. You're not going to use it as a preservative. And so what does our verse say? It's not good for anything if it loses its saltiness except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So that may be the the application of that. And so we read that and think, I need, to, I need to work harder at being salty in the sense of being good, uh, adding flavour to something, in the sense of stopping the rot. And I need to not mix myself too much with other things that I lose that. Similarly, you're the light of the world. I need to work at being light and being helpful to others, including good deeds. Let your light shine before others. And the Philippians verse, let your gentleness be evident to all. So I need to work at that particular fruit of the Spirit, but it could refer to others. I think that particular context in Philippians warrants gentleness, but it could be other examples of fruit of the Spirit. So I go and, I go and work at it as an example of something to endeavour to be like. Or indeed, the last passage, live such good lives among those who are not yet Christians, that phrase, pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. We've just been doing one, Peter, and um, Ian asked what our favourite passage or bit of it was. This would have been it for me when we were taking a mic around last week, this idea of though they might accuse you, they will see your good deeds and glorify God. There'll be a time when they end up being people who glorify God because of what they've seen in you. Love that example and that passage. That's what we normally do with sermons. It's a good thing. But I think there are at least a couple of other valid applications of these three readings and maybe some others too. But these three in particular. And the first is, or the second, if you take the first to be to work harder at it, is to read these things, not as things that we have to work at but as statements of the reality of who we already are in God, you see. It doesn't say go and work at being salty, go and work at being light. It says you are the salt of the earth. It says you are the light of the world. It doesn't say go and find some gentleness. It's as though in God we have those things. And so let your gentleness be evident to all. That thing that is in you because the Holy Spirit is at work in you if you're a follower of Jesus already and so that not losing its saltiness is is not so much you have to go away and work at saltiness but you have to work at not letting the reality of God in you be watered down and lose it or not be so timid that you're not in the world having an effect live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visits maybe it's Stating a reality of something we already have. That's the second way to read it. And the third way to read these passages, I think, is to read it not from the perspective of ourselves, this is something I need to work at, or from the perspective of something God's given us, this is who I already am in God, but from the perspective of the rest of the world who aren't yet followers of God and the gain for them. So we are sought of the earth for the good of others we are light for everyone in the house our gentleness should be evident to all so when it says the lord is near maybe that's the reality that all come to the conclusion of finding rather than just us you see and it's those others who come to the place of glorifying God when the day he, on the day he visits is for the benefit of everybody. And when I make that connection, that third connection of everybody else, I see the connection between the first reading and the last reading that I gave you. They both end virtually exactly the same. That they may see your good deeds, Matthew 16 says, and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Peter 2.12, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. It's very possible Peter has picked up this lesson from Jesus and is quoting it as one of the applications for what people need to be considering and need to be doing. So then, when we do this double listening thing, we pick up that phrase from the author and theologian, John Stott, who encouraged us to do exactly this. And he was very clear that it wasn't a balanced thing. He said this, by double listening, I mean listening, of course, to God and the word of God, but listening to the voices of the modern world as well. Now, I need to make it clear that in listening to the modern world, we're not listening to the same degree of respect as that with which we listen to the voice of God. We listen to him in order to believe and obey what he says. We listen to the modern world, not in order to believe and obey what it says, but in order to understand. So I'm trying to do that as I watch this film, which I think is a great film, the film Green Book. Now, Green Book was a surprising winner of the Oscars just this last year, um, and it was controversial for a number of of reasons. It's based on a true story and it involves uh, a black musician and a white bodyguard come driver. And both of these characters, the real characters they represent, have since died. And it was controversial because the film producers pretty much only consulted the white family in uh, putting the story together. And so it wasn't a film that got off to the best of starts. But with hindsight, it was a film that was exactly right to win an Oscar because it ticked so many boxes it was well crafted it offers humour and poignant insight it comments on some relatively sad very sad but relatively recent social history and yet it offers hope and it's a story of how people can change and change when they share a workplace it seems to me and that's one of the things that grabbed me as I watch it, that's why I've picked it in fact I was coincidentally I'd already picked this when I was talking with a friend who's in the church and they watched it recently and they said they would count it as one of their very best films ever so let me show you the trailer for it okay it's available on streaming services already you can get it on Google on demand um, from YouTube you can get it on Prime on demand if you do I'll give you a code and I'll get some commission on you doing do that but let me just explain the general gist of it for you so there is this African-American classical and jazz pianist called Don Shirley. Uh, Mahia Sharla Ali is the character who plays that, and an Italian-American bouncer with connections with the mob, um, Tony the Lip Vallelonga. uh Vigo Mortensen, p- plays that character. and What it basically is is a road movie, but a road movie in which the two principal actors are working and they spend long hours together. And within that unfolding story of their interaction together, there are some lessons, I think. We need to take those lessons with care because when we're looking at whole life illustrations, the whole of their life isn't something we would want to apply to our lives. I'll say more about that in a moment. What you have is a brilliant black pianist and a composer who agrees to travel south in the US to perform, knowing that he will face discrimination and danger because of the colour of his skin. And so he hires a white driver who has family links with the local Italian mob uh, to act as his bodyguard and to deliver him safely to all of those venues and then back again. That probably doesn't sound super relevant to your lives and my lives today, but bear with me. If we're going to pick out illustrations from it, I do think we always need to in throughout the series use some discerning learning. There are always going to be some things in, if we go to contemporary culture, that we would maybe pick up good things from, but always be some things that we would want to discern with the Bible as our lead to not pick up from. And in this film, are, just to warn you if you do watch it, there are some things um, that I would not want to condone and would want to warn you that are in it. So there's violence, there's sex, and there's a sexuality moral code that I wouldn't want to condone in the film. That's somewhat inevitable, but it doesn't mean we can't learn from it in a discerning way. What is going on, and we need to be aware of this so often, is that hero characters are presented and then some moral code is in there as a kind of subtle lesson that we can so easily absorb like the rest of the world. It's almost more clever than a documentary that teaches us some moral lessons, because you're already buying into these characters as heroes. And that's one of the things going on in this film, and we need to just be aware of it. But when I watched the film, a couple of things particularly jumped out at me as relevant for us and for our times. And without wanting to spoil the film too much, they're in the area of the readings that I gave, So they're in the area of of being salt and light. That's what this pianist is trying to do. They're in the area of letting his gentleness show in his workplace and they're in the area of trying to make a difference and that difference makes some change in the lives of others. One key lesson, of course, is about equality, about how we view others who are different from ourselves. This is a really interesting time for us to be considering something like this when even among world leaders people talk about others in a way that should leave a difficult taste in our mouths. The whole idea of othering others is something that we should challenge because there's a biblical root about our equality. We're called to love others and recognise that we all have the same connection to the creator god and in so doing then then everything flows from that in terms of how we value others and so this is a really interesting time to be considering a book that looks back at not so very long ago when it was okay to completely other others why is it called green book well if you were black in uh, america at that time you could travel around but there were a whole bunch of motels and hotels who just wouldn't accept you, particularly in the South. And the the, the film doesn't particularly mention it. There was a guy who worked, a black guy who worked for the post office in New York who worked that out, and talked to other people who worked in the post office, mostly black people in the central post office in New York, and just decided the thing for them to do at a time when America was finding its freedom with roads and transport to just drive around and see what a great country they lived in, to produce a book that had hotels and motels that would accept you if you were black. Hence, you weren't embarrassed to turn up at the wrong place, you see. The book became hugely popular, had loads and loads of reruns of it. So, Tony, the driver, is given this green book. And sometimes where the musician ends up is terrible compared with where Tony can stay as a white person, you see. So, that's the story behind the idea of green book. It's actually touched on, I think, in Martin Luther King's famous speech about I have a dream. You know, we know loads and loads of that. I have a dream that my four little children will one day not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. We know so many of the lines from that. But he also says in that speech, we will never be satisfied as long as our bodies, heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. And people cheer because they know that that's what's going on. And they know that it's depriving them of their freedom. So, There's a case for equality being made throughout this film. And we can look at it and we can applaud it for all of that. But the thing that jumped out at me most is the fact that they're sharing this workplace and they start with some prejudices about each other, particularly the driver towards the musician, but actually it cuts both ways. And actually, through sharing a workplace, some change occurs both ways. And when I saw that, it made me think of something we've touched on a number of times, the idea of whole life discipleship and what does that actually look like when you share a front line with somebody? And we said sometimes before, you may have seen this before, you may not, that we could summarize it using a resource from LICC with six Ms, making good work, modeling godly character, and those tiny initials that you can't see very easily there are the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, ministering grace and love, moulding culture, a mouthpiece for truth and justice, and a messenger of the gospel. And they're not perfect examples because they're not trying to be believers, but I saw something of that in this film that challenged me to want to be more like that. That's what a good film does for you sometimes, isn't it? Challenges you to to change in a good way. So modelling godly character... For us sometimes, think of your front line, modelling godly character involves self-control and keeping a cool head. That's in this film. It involves kind of promoting peace. It does actually involve fruit of the spirit, showing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a bit in the film... The musician travels with two other musicians who uh, play uh, cello and bass, I think, um, alongside them. And there's a bit where Tony, the driver, has to ask, why does he do this? Why is he so kind to people who've so mistreated him? They won't let him use the same restaurants sometimes, they won't let him use the same toilets almost always, and yet he's kind and gracious to them. And they have to explain to him, not only is he doing that, but he could earn far more money just staying in New York and playing to packed crowds there he's already played at the White House a couple of times famous musician brilliant musician but he's choosing not to do that because he has this other agenda of modeling something what about making good work the first heading there though it's the second in my titles well he is making good work he is this brilliant musician, and his attitude to his musical work goes far beyond monetary reward. So, what about us? How is our attitude to our work, paid or unpaid, in our frontline situations? I saw this film, and I was challenged by that to impact the people around us, not just by the way we do our work, but the way that we treat them as we do our work too. Ministering grace and love is shown throughout in the way he acts towards others. What does ministering grace and love look like to you tomorrow on your front line? We can sometimes be encouraged and be challenged by things that we've seen. He's definitely trying to mould culture, particularly with his travelling companion. Effectively, his very presence moulds the culture of his workplace. And as they spend time together, the conversation, as it does in our front lines too, progresses beyond work and helpful advice, both ways is given and received. Along the way, the driver gradually but definitely changes his own attitude to black people. And he rethinks his own prejudices. But part of the beauty of the film is that it's more than one way. They learn from each other reluctantly at first but as time progresses a firm friendship is formed culture can be thought of as the way things are done around here and molding it makes very often means making small changes that dynamically over time make for big changes and that's part of i think what this film is trying to say a mouthpiece for truth And justice means to call it when it's right or when it's not right, to be prepared to say that. There's a brilliant bit in the film where the driver thinks nothing of taking something from a petrol station stall that's selling stuff. They're selling semi-precious stones. And he looks at them, he looks at the cost of them. One's fallen on the floor. He thinks that's fair game. So he picks it up and puts it in his pocket. Well, the musician is having none of that and makes him take it back. There's a whole conversation about, I wasn't stealing it, it was already on the floor, and a whole moral code thing being explored. But he's trying to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. Again, what does that look like for you and for me? when we're asked to say something that we're not entirely comfortable saying or have an attitude that we're not entirely comfortable sitting with or there's some stuff going on, even some gossip that we don't really want to be part of and we're called to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. A big part of that is the way that, uh, in this film, the way that we other others and treat them as something different to ourselves. It's a needed message for our times. And then lastly, a messenger of the gospel. Well, that isn't directly in here. As a musician, he's not preaching about Jesus, but he has an agenda. And he's trying to get that agenda out to people, you see, about equality. He's being a messenger for that, wherever it's possible to do so. He's looking to change opinion, this musician, of those he performs for and meets. He's looking to change their attitudes towards black people and race and all people. And so for us too, we're not trying to speak all the time about Jesus. That would be threatening to other people, ineffective and inappropriate. But we're looking for opportunities, or we should be, because it's a life and death decision for people to change their attitudes. So... Today and every day, and tomorrow too, many of us share front lines with others uh, who don't share all of our values, many of you do. And we share ours together. And so in that sense, a film like this can speak to us. In the film Green Book, there are different norms being challenged. Biases get challenged, that's a good thing. Othering others gets challenged And if we're able to do it with discerning learning, not picking up everything, the sexual morals and a whole bunch of other things, the violence in it and so on, there are lessons for us about our frontline effect over time, including those six Ms. Let's pray. So Lord, as we picture where we will be this week if we are on our usual front line or if we're somewhere different help us to make good work to model godly character to be ministers of grace and love to mould culture in a good way for you to be mouthpieces for truth and justice and to be messengers of your gospel as we learn and discerning learn from the culture around us help us to be cautious and to have our biblical filters um guarding what we take in and take on board but help us not to miss out on a truth that you would endorse amen